Welcome to full release with Samantha B. Hopefully you'll experience one by the end of this. Well, dear listeners, we are entering the glory days of summer, which is exciting. But if, like me, you have not had many opportunities to socialize in the past year and a half, you might want to ease yourself back into it. Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your saliva to yourself, if possible. Remember, not everyone has binge-watched the same murder documentaries that you have. We don't know how it ends. Don't tell us. Okay, on today's show, we're going to be talking to retired NBA superstar Chris Bosch. Now, look, I can relate to Chris because I once sunk a basketball shot with a roll of paper towels for our Puerto Rico special. That was a personal triumph, and I'm not even joking. That was an incredible moment for me. I'm here with my producers, Svia Baron Reinstein and Adam Howard. Do you remember that, Svia? I was there. Of course. Yeah, was Adam, you were there. there. Yeah, yeah. That was, was a great moment. Cool. That was memorable. I just remember like the sheer shock. I was so shocked you had that you actually made it. <laughs> yeah. like the whole she just stopped because you were so surprised. <laughs> ah, it was a moment. It yeah. was a moment. Now, you know this, but Chris has written a new book aimed at his young fans called Letters to a Young Athlete. If you could give some advice or self-help to your younger selves, what would you say? What would you say to a younger <laughs> it's such a hard question. I don't know. I mean, like, this is going to be so lame, but I like I'm a 90s baby. So I feel like I should have like the most useful advice would be to like put my tooth fairy money into like Amazon. No, that's True. Right. I wouldn't have to <laughs> yeah. do this podcast. Go. You would do it anyway. <laughs> do what you love. Right. <laughs> that's good advice. That is good advice. Adam, what would you do? What would you tell your younger self? Ooh, I <laughs> yeah, Svia was very pragmatic. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I wish I thought. No, no, no. That's that's the smart. Really answer. smart. Yeah. I was gonna say the first thought I had was I would tell myself that don't worry, women will like you at some point because I spent oh. sort of an inordinate amount of time being convinced that that was not going to happen for me, and I just feel like I if I had known like oh it will happen like more than once. There will be a woman that likes you. <laughs> like, it won't just be like one Ew, time. Now you're just getting greedy. Yeah, I know it's crazy. But more that, than that, one woman will like you. Yeah, well, because if I had if I had spent to speaking of like her putting money away, like if I had just spent like a third of the brain power I devoted to obsessing about that to say like math or something, maybe right. I could accomplish more. Even though I'm very happy to be here <laughs> and Screw I'm, math, everything I worked out. Billionaire. So basically, both of you would have like refigured your whole lives so that you wouldn't have to be sitting here with me right now. <laughs> no, no. no, it's fine. I also would not be here. No, I would choose this. I always think like stupid stuff, like be yourself more, but earlier. But the truth is, I would have just said, don't ever get bangs. <laughs> I should have probably do said don't cut your own bangs because I think that's something every oh, child wow. does. It's a huge problem. It's a huge mistake. <laughs> I did mine with the nail scissors. Wow. Those what? are tiny. They cut tiny strands of hair. <laughs> I had a dream, a horrible dream the other night. And it was actually, it was the night before the Oscars. So I'm going back a few weeks here. It was the night before the Oscars. And I had a dream that my hairstylist, Eva, gave me a short, she gave me the, the Queen's Gambit haircut with teeny <laughs> tiny bangs. And they were like jagged. 
I, I dreamt that she told, gave me the Queen's Gambit, and then I was like, what do I do, Eva? And she was like, you should hide. You should hide away from society. <laughs> Go into hiding. <laughs> Go into hiding. And then on the Academy Awards, Halle Berry had my exact nightmare haircut. <laughs> and I screamed when I saw her. Anyway, <laughs> this podcast is not about Halle Berry's bangs. <laughs> Although, honestly, it could be. It should be. It should be. Okay, we are going to take a quick break, but we have Chris Bosch coming up. He's going to be a good one. Joining me today is NBA legend Chris Bosch. Chris was an 11-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion, playing 13 seasons for the Toronto Raptors and Miami Heat. But he is really passionate about so much more than just round orangey balls. He's deeply invested in education and computer literacy for young people, even though he himself is still actually a very young person. But he's also now an author. In his new book, Letters to a Young Athlete, will inspire up-and-coming sports people and shows there's like a lot more to sports than just being in good physical shape, which is great. Who knows? Maybe that means there's, is there hope for my athletic career? I don't know. We're going to find out. Welcome to the show, Chris Bosch. Hi, thank you so much for doing this. Of course, of course. Thank you oh for having God. me. Oh my God, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I, and, I, and I have to say, full disclosure, I've been a fan of The Daily oh. Show for years and years and years oh and years. Gosh. So yeah, That's always, so... always watch the show. So thank you, you know, so I much. I enjoyed you on there. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for having it's me. really, really nice to meet you. Okay. So your new book is called Letters to a Young Athlete. And so I just want to thank you for joining me today on podcast with a middle-aged lady, a TV host. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you know this, but I grew up in Toronto. Really? And you were a Raptor yes. for quite some time. Seven years in the city, of, in the great city of Toronto. The great yeah. city of Toronto. I bet I have a lot of Toronto people listening to this podcast and like <laughs> like every good Torontonian because I yeah. like you know I live there the vast majority of my life that's so funny everybody wants to know like where did you live like what's the neighborhood that was that, that was my next question that I was actually okay. about to ask yeah, oh you're gonna you ask live? me yeah I lived on Lakeshore oh, I lived you did? on Lakeshore so you know um when you're going um I think it was uh, west on the Gardner. Yeah, yeah. It was west on the Gardner. Okay. And uh, toward the airport. Okay. Um, you oh. see, you, you could see my place on the left. You know that white bridge that that yeah yeah yeah, cool? yeah yeah. I stayed at the place right there, Palace Pier. That's oh, you went to the Palace Pier. Okay, so you know the Palace Pier. Yeah, I know I the Palace, Palace Pier. Pier. Yeah. When Palace I was, Pier. oh my god, when I was growing <laughs> up, when I when I was a, a kid, because I grew up in like I was born in 1969, so I was like. I think they built it in the 80s, and the Palace okay. Pier was like the ultimate luxury <laughs> building. And it is a really beautiful, they're really beautiful buildings. They are, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. But I remember like anytime anyone was like, I live at the Palace Pier, we were like, oh, oh, oh. My, my grade school principal lived there. And we were all like, what is Mr. Foreman doing in his second life? <laughs> it was like great. that magical place. That's cool. It's a magical. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad I was in the right spot. <laughs> You're in the right spot. This is very <laughs> this is very impressive. Um, okay, tell me. Everybody has to ask. We have to talk about the pandemic. What was your pandemic life? Man, like? you know what? It uh, kids, kids, and kids. I have five yeah. children. You, have five you know, kids. and um, I, I can't lie. It was a learning curve for everybody. 
Right. Once uh, once it came once it came in and we we pretty much um, mid-March, early mid-March, that's when we pretty much shut it down. I know the rest of the mm-hmm. states kind of came a few weeks later, mm-hmm. but we pretty much packed it in and, and yeah. just hunkered down in the house since March. And, you know, it's it's been it's been an experience. It's been great. I, I do have to say my kids have done great. I have five children uh-huh. doing the virtual school has been a challenge, but they're still learning. They're Great. still turning in their work. Thank goodness. Great. We did have to kind of, you know, it's a it's a big house, but a lot of people here. So we had mm-hmm. to learn how to really coexist and mm-hmm. give each other space and time. And mm-hmm. really being here in Austin, Texas, has really helped that out. Uh, we've been here for three years. So, you know, we have enough space. You have space. It, it's, it's been great to really watch my children more so for them to build that bond and that connection and watch them like make up games outside to mm-hmm. play you know mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. wow how cool is that because i want them to have that experience for the rest of their life you know because they're gonna have to be strong <laughs> oh totally did you get in there as a dad like i know my i have i have three kids and right at the beginning i would say like right at the beginning when we didn't know what was happening and schools in new york city shut down and then there was about a two-week period where we didn't know mm-hmm when remote learning was going to start and nobody, you know, it was just like out of nowhere, this big <laughs> catastrophe. Right. And my, my husband started giving them writing assignments. He was like, all right, we're going to do homeschool. This is how you do it. We're going to do creative writing assignments. And then he would like gather the children every morning and be like, we you know, like, let's talk about, you know, like a region of the world. And then yeah. he'd give them a, cre- and they were, they were like, please, <laughs> they were like, how long did that last? That's what I want to know as a dad. How long did that last? Thank God it didn't last very long because the kids were like texting me while he was lecturing them. They were like, this is hell. Please save us. We need you to intervene. My kids, they started calling me Principal Bosch on the first day. <laughs> my, my daughter, my youngest daughter, she just laughed, smiled at me and said, Principal Bosch. That's okay, it. all right. I guess I guess I'm going to have to start putting on the... The jacket and T-shirt like my That's principal right. did or the jacket and the polo shirt. For sure. Just, you know, check in on class every now and then. <laughs> I don't know about you. My kids are not terribly interested in what I do for a living. Are your kids very interested? Do you, are they like, do do they want to follow in your footsteps or do my, they want to? My boys do. They love, they love, well, it's kind of interesting for them because when I stopped playing basketball, Mm-hmm. Um, it was five years ago. Right. And so their recollection of things is a bit spotty. They do remember mm-hmm. some stuff. And it is they, they are fascinated by, you know, the fame that sports can bring. Right. So, you know, when if if we're out and about driving around town or something, they'll ask me, hey, daddy, roll, roll down the window and wave at those people with the Miami jerseys on. Right. You know, right. if they see someone with a basketball jersey or a basketball player or a game or another tall person, they'll, they're automatically curious. And, and mm-hmm. my son, he just told me I had been taking him to basketball pre-COVID every mm-hmm. Saturday, you know, him and his friends to go play basketball. And, um, you know, it's there. They're, they're curious, but right. they they have their spin on it. You know, now that I'm writing books and stuff, that isn't as... Uh, as as interesting or as fun, okay. you know, it's like okay, you know, it's cool, but yeah, right. what you talking about? Is it cartoons? You know, <laughs> right now that you're you now know. that you're Principal Bosch, they're yeah, like, is it, it's is it not... pictures in your book, Dad? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Add some, add <laughs> yeah, some. Yeah, you know, no, we'll get to it. 
Did you think a lot about your post NBA career when you were playing? Like, did you have, you you always had a second act in mind. Did you know exactly what it would be? No, you don't. And I don't think, um, I don't think you can even prepare for what that would be because, you know, for me, basketball, it dominated everything that I did. I consumed it. I thought about it, Mm -hmm. wrote about it. You know, that's all I did. And, you know, for that to come to a screeching halt was, was pretty tough to deal with. And, and it made me realize, like, there are programs and all these wonderful things that, you know, the mm-hmm. NBA and even friends and family try to get you to think about. Uh, but nothing can prepare you for the shock of not right. doing what you do anymore. Right. You know, and then then I was, you know, I told my friends, anybody who retires, you have to you have to take some time to get to know yourself. You don't even know who you are. Right. You know who you are as an athlete and a competitor and a mm-hmm. teammate, you know, but in the real world is way different, right. you know, and you have to find out who you are in the midst of this world because you've been in a bubble and, and just focused your whole life. And then one day, you know, you're at the grocery store, at the carpool line, waiting to pick up your kid, you know? Right. So those are, I, I know me, my personal journey, I had to really, really discover who I am, you mm-hmm. know? And it's and it's a daily process. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm a dude that knows everything right now, but I'm definitely right. um, searching for that. And I think um, I have a decent idea of where to look and, and the path that I'm going. When you are a young athlete, do people talk to you about that? Are there people in your life who go, listen, you do need to, you got to put talking the- at you. Right. You know, it's, it's like, you know, you're telling um, a, a young man or a young woman like, this is what you need to do. Hey, you need to think about right. doing this. And, and usually with athletes, what you get is, you know, with me, it was always you get it's kind of like a tag. Have you thought about broadcasting? Hey, okay. how about coaching? Well, hey, how about it's more of uh, you get more of the opinions of what, you know, people think you should do, which is very interesting, which is, you know, I'm sure people are just trying to help. But I always thought that was interesting because I always heard the same things. And you get you get like this thing of, oh, you'll be okay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you'll be good. Yeah. What will make me be good? I don't understand. There's no advice to that. There's no nothing. Chris, you're fine. You'll. I'm sure you'll you be good. This. Like, oh no, it's cool. I'm just dealing with an existential crisis, but it's good. <laughs> you <laughs> You're know? gonna work your way through yeah. it. Don't yeah. worry. Just like have a sleep, get a yeah. rest, go on a vacation, yeah, come back, figure it out. Yeah, you can go to Barbados, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get the villa. I always think it's so funny when <laughs> when people who are like older and when you have this like older perspective, and then you talk to people who are coming up and you're like Sock away money for retirement. And young people are like, excuse me? (laughs) It's it's exactly like that, but the career (laughs) version, you know, Uh and it's and it's usually um, one of the funny things about it, too, uh, which is great. But like, you know, some people say, hey, you should maybe even think about car dealerships or, you know, these, um, you know, big business ideals (laughs) and stuff. And it's like, okay, you're telling me I'm going to go. From going on the road, playing in Madison Square Garden mm. in L.A. at the Staples Center, and you know, yeah, Jack Nicholson and Spike Lee is at the game to being in a car dealership. Nothing wrong with that, but come on, like yeah. that's that's gonna that's what's gonna wake me up every day. Is like, man, I can't wait to get in the office and just do this paperwork. And I, I gotta it out. like, I'm gonna. We're having a sale on Kias. <laughs> 
I'm going to get up real early. I'm going to make coffee. Boy. I'm going to get donuts for everyone. Ooh, that APR and- <laughs> is, man, I'm telling you, it's pretty, it's something special. And you can get to that point, but just the difference is, is oh, yeah. too quick from going from being, doing what you do. And, and I, you know, even the craziness of, of breaking down my career. I mean, how crazy is that? Like I got to play basketball, a game yeah. in front of 20,000 people every night. Have you ever gone to like a crappy concert or a hole in the wall and it's just, you know, a few people there? Like our productions every day was just amazing. So like to have that experience and then come from that and try to find yourself, it's just, you know, it wasn't an easy task. Not easy. It's really helpful if you're a fully formed adult when that change happens. You want that. You want to. And even then, you still are not going to know what you're going to do. And I tell people to be open to things that you love. Um, mm-hmm. One of one of the things my dad said is, "Boy, don't have a a job you hate." <laughs> that's, yeah. that's one piece of advice I always took. So I always keep that in mind. Anytime you know when sure. I want to put my energy towards something, it's something that I love. You know, I would bet that that's a piece of advice that you give people because I'm sure people come to you for advice all the time, and they're like, "What's the number one thing that you tell people?" Because I do always tell people, "Love yeah. what you do for sure. Love it because if you love." It. If you love something, then your career can take many paths, but you yeah. can always come back to this thing that you love. And Absolutely. then your your work is, then it's it's not tragic. <laughs> it's not tragic. And on the rough days, you could bear it. You know, if you have you a rough day doing something you hate, then that's just, <laughs> that's a Molotov cocktail. You know, that's, that's just, bad. yeah, that's, that's not a good situation. I don't see how that could end well. During your playing career, were you ever discouraged for talking about politics or for taking a stand on social issues? Not discouraged. There is a finesse. Mm -hmm. There is a finesse to it. You know, um, there is this strange narrative of, you know, thinking that, oh, wow, you should just stick with the shut up and dribble thing, right? So it's like, you should just stick to sports. Now it's like, now, wait a minute. Right. If I'm a, which I am a student of life as well, if you look back into the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. and you look at activists and athletes like Jim Brown, Kareem Mm Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, of course, Wilma Rudolph. Right. You know, it's all of these people who stood for something and, and, and had to had had a message to say. And this is, you know, from the 60s and before. You know, and so there is a certain responsibility to that, to continue that. But there's also kind of it's, it's crazy ground a little bit. You know, you do have to be ready to navigate that. And that's why I say, you know, it takes finesse. But at the end of the day, you know, athletes or it, at least in my position, we have a platform and, you know, you should be able to express what you want to express without well, I can't say without criticism, but, right. you know, you should be able to express what you want to express. And if it's a message that you want to say, then it is what it is. If a, if a, if an athlete wants to be political, then that's their choice. You know, are you are you surprised by how much NBA player activism has spiked in recent years and mm-hmm. in, in this past yes year? And no. Yes and no. I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, you know, the challenge, I think the, the way I look at it, the challenge is continuing to to sustain that message. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that, you know, things came out because of, you know, uh, instances like George Floyd, like 
Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin, these tragedies that have been happening since the inception of America. You know, right. people are using the, their voices now and, and people are more connected than ever. And you can organize and do all these things. So, you know, like I said before, this is America. So if you want to exercise that right and if and if you feel that it's not right, then, man, go out there and do that. And, you know, a lot of um, players really took that to heart with, um, you know, like the Milwaukee Bucks, for instance. Right. After the tragedy in uh, Milwaukee, they chose not to play amid a pandemic, amid them being away from their families in a bubble, trying to figure out how to finish the season, you know. Right. And, and I mean, it, it is powerful. And I think it's um, it, it's a it's a great thing to be able to express your voice as a team. And to set the example for the young athletes and the young people out there right. to say, hey, if you see something that's not right, you, you know, you have the right to speak up about that. You've written about what you call a criticism tax. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were playing basketball, did you when you were playing, did you read articles or like did you hear that criticism? Or did you, you or were you able to like compartmentalize it? Were you able to like push it I away? I had to compartmentalize and push it away. That was okay. a necessity. I, I did at first. I made the mistake of listening. You hear it, but you don't listen, you know? And mm-hmm. I had a rule in my house, like no sports television. I come on, I come downstairs and my chef could be watching ESPN. He'd have to turn the channel, you know? And, okay. um, <laughs> Cause, That's so smart. Well, I mean, you know, even, even basketball games, I would watch them on mute. I didn't want to hear anything that would sway what I'm feeling at that time because I did. And it had me in the dumps or it would have me on the mountaintop, you know, and and those are both dangerous places to be, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is I tell people that all the time because I feel the same yeah. way. I feel like over praise is as dangerous as as unwarranted for criticism sure, for sure like either you know you just have to stay in your own yeah. game like you have to stay in your own bowl of food Absolutely. and not be looking not be looking Absolutely. around at other and, people and especially you know during the nba playoffs they're pretty maniacal it gets ah uh, man you're in the weeds yes. for months and weeks you know and yes. it was one particular time you saying that i was watching uh, i was hurt and i was hoping to come back but my team had to continue to win without me. Right. We had a detrimental loss in Indiana. I'm watching the game from home and they go up two games to one and the best is, you know, the first to four wins, you know, wins the whole series. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're the, my team is in Indiana. I'm watching them play and I'm hurt, but they have to win so I can play. Right. Hopefully in two weeks. <laughs> right. And we lost and I, and I was listening to all of the post-game shows, the pre-game shows, and it was a bad loss. And I just sat there. I was done. You know, I was done. I gave up. I told my wife, well, babe, you know, book the vacation. It's going to take me a while to get over this one. Let's make it five weeks this time. You know, I'm just going to get out of town. I'm going to, nobody's going to see me and we're going to build back up. And she was was like one of those moments in the movie. She said, no, you told me. Things were going to look bad, but they're not bad. You need to do this. And I said, golly, I have to eat my own words. But that's that's right. kind of how, you know, that's how the mental, you know, the, the my mentality yeah. was watching and consuming the criticism. Do you tell young athletes that? Do you, I mean, how do they, it's hard for them to hear. Yeah. 
but maybe you tell them stuff and you hope that they'll come back yeah. to it. Yeah. So, some like, point. that's kind of one of the things I talked about actually in my book. Um, when I have one of the chapters called Not Too High and Not Too Low, you know, mm. and that's one of the best pieces of advice that I got from one of my veteran players. You know, he told me, hey, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low, man, because it's still always the work to do. You still have to get things yeah. done. And that's kind of the analogy I was saying, not, you know, you don't want to be on the mountaintop because then, you know, you'll be really believing all the praise and it's mm-hmm. great. And you stop working, you'll let up that complacency will get you just that little bit of complacency. And then you don't want to be too down because you have to bounce back. Like we yeah. all take you losses. Have to play. Yeah, It's going to be another yeah. game. You know, we take losses right? and hopefully you can rebound from that. But regardless, it's a part of the game and, you know, it's a part of something that you're going to have to deal with. So mm-hmm. don't let the situation just mess up the whole big picture that you're trying to paint. Right. You know, we're just in the present right now. Regardless, what do we have to do tomorrow to, to improve? You know, right. that was always. Can't let like all those outside influences yeah. change who you For sure. like the core. For sure. And of and even and even are. you know in those outside influences you might you know make them happen you might be yeah, like man we won that game did you see that shot I hit to win the game regardless mm-hmm. you have to move on to the next step and you have right. to you know continue to hopefully uh, put out there what you're trying to do and 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 be a you know positive role model in the midst of that in your book you talk about the mental acuity needed to be a great player and balancing, like just like balancing practice and balancing your studies. What do you think are some of the misconceptions that people have about the student athletes? Student athletes, right? In college Mm -hmm. that they have all the time in the world, you know, that Mm -hmm. um, I think there was always kind of this misconception of being like, which is great. You're getting, you know, you're getting an education. I definitely don't want to devalue an education. Education is important. But, you know, there has to be ways to take in that education, right? So a typical day for me, and I've um, wrote about this before, a typical day as a student athlete would be getting up. And this is like a couple times a week, you know, or right. better yet, I'll describe to you what our women's team did. Every morning at 5 a.m., they had practice. Now, I'm going to say that again. The Georgia Tech women's team, it is a fact that every morning they practiced at 5 a.m. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If it was a practice day, 5 a.m. So they are already practicing at 5. 5 a.m. they're practicing. They're playing. So they got up at (laughs) 4 They got up to practice at five, right? And then so in between that, they have weight training. Mm -hmm. You have your class as well. If I'm practicing at five, well, how does that work with my schedule? You know, what classes do I take to better my education? Then on top of that, I've got to fit in my study, my study hall, which mandatory study hall, two hours every day. Yeah, I have to take my classes. I have to get to my classes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got to eat lunch. I've got to work out and lift weights. And on top of practice, we've got individual workouts. This mm-hmm. this is one day. Oh, my God. You know. I'm so tired. Yeah, you know, it's one day. Then it's like, okay, well, we haven't talked about having an actual social life, you know, or actually yeah. having friends or, and, you know, right now, as of now, you know, 
student athletes cannot get paid, at least not everywhere. So it's not like, how do you right. have a couple bucks in your pocket to go get a pizza or something with your friends? Right. You know, it's just like, it's just this impossible schedule almost. <laughs> well, let, let, let's talk about that debate about whether or not college athletes should be paid for their work. Mm-hmm. And and I know you wrote a really impassioned article about it, but how would student athletes' lives change if that were instituted? Well, I mean, that's that's um, I think that's going to be one of the uh, question marks, right? I mean, one of the mm-hmm. main question marks because you do bring in another atmosphere of a thing, right? Because, right. you're, you know, it depends on the person. You don't know what the athletes are going to do with the money, <laughs> you know. Right. That's the kicker, you know, and it's, you're going to mm-hmm. have the people like, you went the what? You did what? You know, and that's but that's a part of growing up. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, with that, you know, in the education, there can be some sort of fiscal responsibility class or something that can be instituted, you know, because mm-hmm. there is a responsibility to being an adult, Right to being professional eventually and mm-hmm. but but most importantly handling your time you know making sure you're uh doing what you need to do to to reach your goal and right you know i i, I you know those are the things you can't answer you know but i do believe in it because i was that student athlete i was mm-hmm. you know kind of joking about it. i wrote about it that recently too but just me i remember i told this story me and my my friend we were uh we were watching the women's team play after the game, we leave. They used to play late games, so the game didn't leave, end until 10. Well, the Stinger mm-hmm. campus bus, the campus bus, the Stinger, it stops running at 930. Oh. So we walked out, and it's cold. The Stinger, the last Stinger's pulling off, and we're just like, <laughs> oh, we don't have a car. We got to walk like a mile and a half back to the dorm. It's just like, yo, this is whack, man, you know? And even on top of that, it would just be cool to go get a burger or something and Go get something right. actually, maybe, man, I mean, you know, I could make a salad or something or we could go <laughs> get some healthy food. You know, healthy food's a little more expensive. <laughs> yes. We could at least, you know, go get some, get a bite because, you know, let's be frank, that uh, that athletic training table at the at the mess hall is, uh, this is like the 10th week in a row of, right. you know, lasagna and meatballs or something like that. It kind of. Right. Everything's all just like yeah, wet. Yeah, it's just like, uh, Just everything's wet. <laughs> All the gravy tastes the same. You know, same. it's like mashed potatoes and tacos and meatloaf. Like, how does that go together? Okay, that's cool. It's still <laughs> food. I'm appreciative. But man, it'd be nice to change it up, you know? <laughs> we used to have, this is, this is just a side note, but we used to, when I worked at The Daily Show for a long time, we had cater. We had like a catered lunch, which for one thing, no one told me about for like my first year of employment there. So <laughs> that's another story entirely. But they would always like, the, I had to stop eating it at really early on because it was just they would have like thanksgiving tuesdays <laughs> in july it was like the hottest day of the year and they'd be like here's the turkey with all the trimmings uh, and we were like oh my god party stuffing and, ugh, you yes you gotta have a nap time <laughs> okay total pivot now 2020 election mm-hmm. um you wrote a really powerful article about the importance of giving student athletes time mm-hmm. in their schedules to take away go from, go away from practice and to vote. Yes. Did you get 
Did you receive pushback on your outspokenness um, on that issue? No, not that I'm aware of. And, and even if I did, okay. it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like you're, you're shouting outside of the concert, in my opinion, you know. And Right. But, but, you know, and I'm so glad you brought that up. One of the things that I felt passionately about, my assistant, uh, one of the assistant coaches from Georgia Tech was involved in that project with giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the student athletes themselves had the idea and built the platform to be able to bring it up Great. to the NCAA. So that was super cool. Great. You know, they're the next generation, right? So them having their own voice, I was mm-hmm. all for that. But, you know, the win-win in that whole situation to me, which I just, you know, described the schedule earlier, right? And then mm-hmm. we want to teach people how to be a citizen at the same time and incorporate free will and a democracy and voting, right? right? And a student athlete doesn't even have time to even think about it, you know? So, you know, the win-win is I think you'll get more young people into politics, you know, not politics, but the the civic, you know, civic Civic. engagement, civic responsibility, you know? I like how you phrased it. Like you're making citizens, like you're making, it takes work. You're making engaged. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if those, one of the main pieces that I liked, if, the student athlete is not a citizen of that state, right? They can't vote in that state. They, it uh-huh. would be like a, a day of service situation or um, something where they volunteer. And that would be right. powerful for the school because if you have, you know, let's take Georgia Tech, for instance. If you've got, think of how many young people you can inspire to come to your school because they see the track runner and she's amazing and I'm, you know, and she's right here helping out in the community. How many little girls right. will that inspire? You know, and I yeah. think that's one of the cool things about just getting in, you know, getting the young student athletes involved from an early age, because I know how it was for myself. I didn't even get into it until later in my career. And then then we're always in a situation where I want my voice to be heard and I want this. And it's always mm-hmm. tough to get people to buy into that. So I think, you know, just getting that early education will be very impactful. Your former Miami teammate, uh, Dwayne Wade, has taken an ownership role mm-hmm. uh, in the Utah Jazz Crazy. organization. Crazy. How, <laughs> how important do you think it is for former players and, and more specifically people of color to be mm. in these positions in sports franchises? It is wonderful. Of course, long way to go. But seeing things transpire, you know, guys like Dwayne Wade and Grant Hill and Shaq, you know, being in in the ownership groups and setting the tone and saying, hey, you can do this. And you can have that thought process to think of it now to be able to get in that position. And I do think it's interesting, you know, not not interesting. It's important, um, you know, to take part in that because I think, you know, it should reflect who is playing on the court. Right. Right. You know, and um, having more people and more diversity in those positions, I think is great, you know, and and, um, the deeper we get into it, the more I feel that it should be important that uh, an ex-athlete should be involved with an athletic organization in some ownership role because they bring a whole other perspective that can help, you know, and, you know, to be quite frank, I am, you know, obviously I'm a black man. And if I go to an NBA meeting and it's 50-50, right? Which it's not, uh-huh. but let's just say it's 50-50. And I go to the ownership meetings and it's 
89 or 98 too. <laughs> you know, right. I was like, oh, okay. All right, cool. <laughs> oh, and then I and, see. and in that too, it's like, okay, it's me and the, you know, nah, there. We're from you're <laughs> from another part of the world and I'm from here. Okay, cool. You know, it's 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 a it's right. a it's a difference and and you know, just like any anybody, you know, I think um diversity is always important in the, in those type of situations sure. and I'm all for it. Let's talk about the Olympics yeah. super briefly, but I do have a question because the IOC just announced that kneeling will not be allowed at the <laughs> upcoming Summer Olympics. Yeah. Now, as a former Olympian, uh-huh. do you feel like the IOC should be able to, to make blanket statements like that? Like, what? What? what, yeah, what? yeah, that's a reach. Back in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, there was an instance where, you know, the black fists were raised at mm-hmm. the podium. And I mean, you know, it, it is, I don't know. You know, it's, it's just that was a powerful thing. I know that it was very, very difficult on their lives, but it's still an iconic moment yeah. to this day. And it was black people in America saying, hey, this isn't right, man. You know, and right. if you cannot speak on those things, you know, what can you speak on? But that one in specific, like that one specifically that I think that one, um, I, I don't know how they would be able to control that. I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, I agree with yeah. you. It feels like a. It feels like they're really reaching for something. I'm like, you guys have some other fish to fry. <laughs> yeah, there's there's bigger problems start... in the world. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's you know there is still yeah. a pandemic, and they have to try mm-hmm. to figure out how to have these games. I think there's more important issues, but yeah, the fact that kneeling. I mean, this is one thing kneeling in America, and and it was all, and, and you know, it just shows you how things can kind of get out of hand, right? Kneeling happened because of police brutality within yeah. the United States. How is that seen as a negative? How was it spun negatively? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's still one of those things, but I'm all for uh, self-expression. And if there's a problem and, and people want to bring light to something, then they should be able to do that. Yeah. But with that said, yeah. okay, you don't want me to kneel? Okay. There's... Right. There's, but I mean, like, it makes me want to, it makes me want to, it makes me want to kneel so much more now. You know, (laughs) we'll see what happens. We'll see. It's it's up to the athletes. And and I've been to the Olympics. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of athletes out there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A lot of men and women competing for a gold medal. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Okay. You have talked about how your parents made sure to uh, take you to the Edmund Pettus Bridge and talk about the civil rights movement. How do you talk to your, like, extremely cute kids about issues? I mean, they're very cute. How do you how, how do you talk to them about these very real, very serious, ongoing topics? Man, that's a great question. I think it's always, you know, I'm always, we're always trying to figure it out because there's only so much you're going to mm-hmm. be able to, to keep from them and not that I'm trying to keep them from it. I want my kids to be a kid. Right. We'll definitely get to those issues and we bring them up and we talk about it. But, you know, I, you know, I always want my boys and my girls to understand that I try to break it down in the simplistic terms. You know, sometimes you'll be around people that are different and that's okay. Uh-huh. And sometimes people will see you and see that you're different and not like it because you're different. And so that, like, we're trying to build off of that. But, you know, there it's complex. Right. You know, it's very, very complex. 
I know for me and, you know, I'm still educating myself on the history of America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's be frank, it mm-hmm. was founded with slaves. There were slaves on the boat when yeah. the first ship came here. And it kept happening. It was the Atlantic slave trade. It was a whole thing in which empires were built, one of those empires being America. And so, you know, I'm always, I'm still educating myself on that. Right. And, you know, in that, you know, as a father, you know, I've got young, you know, black men very soon. And um, I just, you know, just try to touch on those subjects or sometimes they'll see something on the news and we'll have to, oh, okay, you know, okay, guys, look, let's right. have a family conversation or, you know, every now and then. But we, we one of the things we do try to do is just have those family conversations, like, you know, sit down as a family and sit and talk, you know, and right. see what's on their mind and, and get those things across that we need to say. And, and you know, even coronavirus is one of right. them. Right. This is what's happening. This is why you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, bring along these subjects as they come and, and, you know, just communicate as a family. I think that's the most important thing. That way we always know where we are and we can always talk to each other. Right. Do you let them understand your own, your confusion? Like, I know when you're talking about t- talking to your kids about the pandemic, yeah. so many of our conversations <laughs> were like, hey, we don't have a lot of information. Yeah. We're going to tell you what we yeah. know. And we're pretty, this is what we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Like I ha- we're I have a lot of kids. Confused too. I have a lot of kids, therefore a lot of questions. You, I mean, you, you're, yeah. you're a mom and you have three? Three, yeah, three. So, I mean, you, you the questions. I've got two twin five-year-olds. The Ooh. questions. The questions. You know, oh my gosh. The questions. Just on either side. Oh boy, at the same like, time. Question, question, like, question, question. nailing me with it. And then I got two in the back and two, you know, it's like, whoa. <laughs> But like one of the things, sometimes I'm not going to sit up here and act like I know everything. Sometimes that's, I don't know, son. My love, I do not right. know. Tell my daughter every day, I don't know. That's a, I think we should do the research. Let's do the research. Right. <laughs> and we can do it together. So yeah, let's do it together. Let's make sure we let's check the sources. Mm. Let's consider the source. Okay. Let's, Very important. Let's do this research together because I do not know. Hmm wonderful question and I walk away you know <laughs> right 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 you tell me here's your assignment principal yeah, Bosch has yeah. an assignment mm, for you excellent you tell Write a paper. me they'll stop asking questions it's, <laughs> it's actually really challenging to like to make your children understand that considering the source of the information is critical we're trying like, to build that into you know hey just yes who told you that okay i hear you mm-hmm. let's just consider yeah who this person is that's telling you and yes. what they're telling you and then we'll make a decision later but we're not just going to say oh yeah i saw bigfoot yesterday and it's cr- right. it crazy <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i'm also very keen about telling my kids making sure they understand who's trying to sell them something. Absolutely. Like who's trying to, like it's a fun TikTok or it's like a great Instagram post and it's really, uh, you know, it's like attractive yeah. and alluring. But I'm like, this person is, this is what they're yeah, selling Yeah, just to you. be aware this of This is it. what, yeah. like Instagram itself is a product yeah. that is selling itself to you and taking something from you. Absolutely. It's not really free. Absolutely. That's so a, that we, yeah, that's a whole other conversation too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, Kate, 
your parents, you've described them as like geeky tech nerds mm -hmm. who put you, you were in a high school computer club yeah. called Wiz Kids. I was. <laughs> You're a Wiz I'm Kid. I'm a Wiz Kid. <laughs> <laughs> How did that club inform your life and interests? Like you, that's was really formative for you, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, my parents, um, you know, we uh, we were from pretty much a lower middle class area. Mm -hmm. You know, I had both of my parents in the house, one of my only friends in my circle who did. And and so, you know, I had my grandma staying next door. You know, it was every it's like a family situation in the country town, like and you can throw a rock and hit the city. You know, that was the right. That was the mode. So, like, you know, our whole family was always very big on values, very big on education, you know, and, and through that, I always wanted a job because we didn't have any money, you know, and, and the money we did have had to go to things like groceries. I learned right away that, sure. oh, OK, we've got to spend money on groceries and the bills because this is what my dad tells me all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And car payments right. and all these things. We can't buy Jordans. I can't get the Jordans. And I can't get the, you know, my, my outfits are going to be, yeah, you know, we'll make it work. Right. right. <laughs> you know, right. and, um, right. you know, just through that, you know, I just always wanted to get a job to go, you know, have things for myself. You know, and uh, my first job was actually Blockbuster. It's the funny thing. And, um, you know, wow. Blockbuster was my first job. And then so I always had jobs. And then one of my friends, I'm looking for a job. One of my friends, oh, yeah, I do a job. And. I do uh, um, record um, covers for local artists, okay. you know, for like local artists around yeah. town. So I'm like, oh, yeah. How do you? Oh, yeah. Just go to WizKids. Yeah. You learn how to use Photoshop. This thing called Photoshop. You do it on the computer. And, and I mean, going up there, it was like another world. The funny part was, you know, I, it's like, you know, you're finding your people and, and it's people. You're seeing people around school that you thought wouldn't be there and. It's mm -hmm. like an interesting club, but it was like secret because we didn't, you know, we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I didn't tell, especially, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a jock, so I don't tell none of my, I don't tell any of my friends. No. You know, they, they no. rag on me till the cows come home. You know, so you cannot tell. At all. You can't tell everybody. Yeah, can't tell. I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, where's kids? Even if we had a field trip, you know, I'm tall as you know, trying to, you know, be incognito, being six eight, right. walking through, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, a bunch of people trying to get on a bus and, you know, before anybody can figure out. But I, I always understood that there was, you know, separate worlds. And I understood the, you know, facets of hobbies because I right. didn't have many neighbors, you know, around us, to be quite frank. And right. even if I did want to sneak out, my grandma, she's, I mean, you know, li life was like live television. She is looking out the blinds. Right. It, it, it seemed like that woman looked out the blinds for 24 hours a day. Okay. <laughs> you All know, right. And there's nowhere to go, you know? So mm -hmm. you have to really, really fall into your interests. And that's why I loved it. You conclude your book by saying that being an athlete is the best preparation for every other role, whether it's politics or business or leadership. So, like, what do you think is next for you? You're a writer, you're, you're doing yeah. so many things. Do you know yeah. what's next for you? I don't know what's next, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I had to come to the realization that it's not—it's okay not knowing what's coming right. next. You know, if you just stay in the moment and and give everything to that moment, you know, man, you, you know, man, things will just happen, and you'll be where you're supposed to be. 
Five years ago, I couldn't have told you that I was going to be a writer and an author and, mm-hmm. you know, have these cool things in the Hall of Fame nominee and, man, and the book's actually going to be ready. And yeah. I couldn't I couldn't tell you all those things. I just fell into my passions, you know. Music is, is one of those other things that I, you know, fall into and do. I can't tell you what's going to come of it. Yeah. I just love doing it. Right. And that was like the funny, you know, while I was in my paradox I had to kind of figure out, okay, one of the things that made it more difficult was, okay, I've read all these self-help books and all these wonderful books, and it says, do what you love. Right. I don't have basketball. I love ball. I like basketball. What the hell am I going to do? Right. You know, and then then I see the Rolling Stones playing in a, in a packed house, and they're like, you know, they're older gentlemen. I was like, I want to do that. Right. I do that. And I found myself writing every morning, just, I don't even know what this means. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, I think we maybe we could do a book. Right. And then these things happen. It's five years ago. You right. know, I couldn't have told you that I would be in this position right now. I just went right to the things and said, all right, well, I've read all these things. Do what you love. Okay. Right. It does not make any sense for someone in their early to mid-30s pick up making beats. You know what I mean? It's like I'm opening myself up to jokes. Right. But that's one of the things, you know, that I learned as an athlete. When you're uncomfortable, that's where the greatness is. Right. You know, so if if I'm feeling that feeling of like, ooh, I don't know. Okay, good. I'm in the right place. Just lean right into it. Lean into it and you'll be surprised the friends that you make, the connections you make, the people that you'll meet and just – I mean, who knows? It's so cool. Oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> I am, have enjoyed talking to you so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you one last question, and it's very. Okay. This is a very personal question for me. Um, you posted a photo on Mother's Day of you and your entire family in, yeah. in beekeeping gear. <laughs> are you? Is this? Are you leaning into this? Is this? Oh no, we that was not at our place. Okay, but we're we're into it now. We're not leaning into. It. We're into. Oh, we've got we've got a full fledged garden. Just today, um, I was with my kids uh, mm-hmm. before this, um, and I watched them. Um, but we have a gardener come by. We just mm-hmm. we installed a garden a few weeks ago. We have a whole garden. We have a gardener coming by. I wa- you know I got to watch them in class, make sure they're behaving right. Uh huh. Yep. And, yep. Um, <laughs> I was just you know in the garage, just kind of looking over, making <laughs> sure they're good. But um, yeah, we have that. And we have bees as well. Yeah. <gasps> so do I. Yeah. I, we have a yeah, gar- we, we have bees. We installed a garden in the pandemic, oh. and we got bees. We have two hives. Yeah. Do you not? They're incredible. It's yeah. So we just just we're fresh into it. Oh. You know. So uh, hopefully we'll have some honey pretty soon. You I will. mean, you know, I know it take months and months and months, but you know, yeah, we've got uh, the whole setup. And oh my the Kids love it, and just learning about that stuff. You know, yes. that's one of the fun things I love about being a parent mm-hmm. because you know it's you know you're on a field trip and. We go, I mean, even like, you know, we took our kids to um, just this place called Laguna Gloria. Uh-huh. And it's like an outside contemporary art museum and with all these sculptures. Wow. And, you know, if we're taking a tour or something, I'm raising my hand like, oh. Yeah, help me. I want to know. <laughs> me. So when the queen bee, what does the queen bee do? You know, it's like, good question, dad. Well, guys, the queen bee, you know, it's a drone. Very good question, Mr. Bosch. Very good. Thank you, Mr. Bosch. <laughs> you know, I'll take it from here. So, guys, in a hive, like, oh, ooh, you know. It's incredible. Taking part, yeah, we've taken part in this, um, in these things with our children and 
just sharing these experiences that are, you know, so cool and we feel that are going to just aid them in the long run. But yeah, we're, we're into it. Oh we're my into gosh. Bee, beekeeping. We, we're newbies. We're newbies, oh, but yeah. we're in there. Yeah, yeah, we're in there. I'm taking a class. I'm taking a, I'm taking a class so I can learn how, I can learn all of the intricacies of it because I love it. Find it so, and I think you're going to love it. You, oh, yeah. You're so like, it's totally <laughs> natural experience, but you can be involved a little bit. Like you can help them if they need help. You can yeah. guide them a little bit, but basically they just do what they do. Yeah. And it's like this most wonderful meditation to just like watch them working because they're working yeah, and they, they each have a role to play and they do it yeah. so efficiently. My daughter, she was saying like, yo, I think... I think beekeepers are the most important job in the world, Dad. Oh. I said, oh, isn't that so wonderful? So, I mean, who knows what's going to come Incredible. You know, from this whole experience. But we're, we love it. Yeah, we're, 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 we're honestly so excited to taste the honey because, you oh. know, we plant the flowers for the taste and yeah. all that stuff around. And it's going to be delicious. It's going to be the yeah, best we'll honey you ever ate in your life. Okay. <laughs> this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for saying yes. Thank you. And this was a very memorable interview for me. I'm taking a lot out of it. I appreciate that. Thank, Thank you, you for so much. taking me on this journey. Of course. Of course. Thank you. All right. Um, you know, I hope you enjoy the book. Oh God, it's great. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I got to squeeze in another quick break here. Oh my God. That was, uh, that was wonderful. <laughs> He's great. He is. That was really delightful great. to listen to. I love that he lived in the same building as your middle school principal. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Palace Pier, it's just one of those landmarks in Toronto that was just so out of like out of the my world. It was just like a, a fantasy building. Like it was just the sleekest, newest condo building in the 80s. And it was just like it's you make it sound like there's only like one nice building in all of Toronto. <laughs> no, it just was one of those that really resonated with me because maybe because I just had aspirations. Like I, I was like a striver child and I was like, one day I'll live at the Palace Pier. We have to follow <laughs> it and see uh, what's available. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably just go live there. No. <laughs> I could be living. You know what? We're I could all going to retire at the Palace Pier. I could be at the Palace Pier right now and you wouldn't even know. Because we're all remote, <laughs> but it is a very pretty location. And coming from Toronto, we you always have to know everything about what someone did and where they lived when they lived in Toronto and whether they liked it or not. These are very important conversation points. <laughs> <laughs> we're always looking for confirmation. The Toronto is a great city. And <laughs> I think it we is. got confirmation on this episode. I did not ask him if he if he is thumbs up or thumbs down on Poutine. Can I, I? I'm embarrassed to admit I'm not sure I understand what that is. P poutine? Yeah. What? I know. Adam, what? <laughs> you? We haven't talked about this. No. Oh, do you want to okay. continue to live with that question mark, or would you like for Sam to describe it? I'll describe it. I yeah. can't. Well, I guess here they call it disco fries, kind of. But oh, it's a little, okay. but it's a little different. So it's French fries, okay. and really. This is a big, this is a big, deep conversation. They should be <laughs> fries from a van, like trucks. <laughs> they should be like in Quebec, where Poutine, okay. it really is from. It's like there are these like French fry trucks, you know, like when you stop at a roadside and you get like a hot dog and fry, if you're going on a road trip or something. The best 
poutine comes from those like vans and they're like Belgian style fries. So they're mm. like double fried, really kind of like well done planks of fried <laughs> potato. They're de- like super delicious. Okay. And then you put a mess of cheese curds on top, wow. like squeaky cheese curds and then sauce, that which is really like gravy. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's death on, it's, <laughs> it will kill it's you. death. Oh, no, like it's, it. it's death. <laughs> It's deadly. Yeah. You should not eat it, but you also should. Cool. All right. Well, that was an education for me. Things you never wanted to learn. So it's a good segue into our game, which um, I think we'll all learn something. Okay. Um, okay. So I know you've said many times before that sports isn't exactly your strong suit. Not at all. You've also demonstrated many times that you have a very keen deductive intellect and a willingness to learn. Uh-oh. So, you know, hopefully this will be an education for you. Okay. Um, Basically, basketball, it's a game with many buzzwords and terminology. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to see if you could define these sports, basketball sports terms to the best of your ability. And then we'll tell you what they actually mean. <laughs> I won't know. No, it's going to be really, really fun. <laughs> I yeah, won't know just, any w- of Like, them. give your best guess. And okay. Maybe you might be right because some of them maybe are intuitive. But Okay. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. The okay. first one. Yeah. Sam, what is a pick and roll? A pick and roll. Oh, God. I think, okay, a pick and roll. <laughs> okay, it's not like a somersault because I've never seen that. <laughs> it's not like. Unbelievable. That would be incredible. Somersaults in basketball. That would be so good, though. Oh, my God. You just pick it out of the basket and then you do an Aikido roll <laughs> down the court. Yeah. Okay. I think you pluck it out of someone's hands and then you roll it to your friend. We're going to develop a new game based on all of your answers. Yeah, I wish that was what it was. It's going to be called basketball. (laughs) What is a pick and roll? Okay, so basically, it's like a player sets what is called a screen, which essentially they put their body in front of another player, which allows the other player to kind of roll around them in order to receive a pass, like on their way to the basket. So it's like you're setting a pick and then you roll to the basket. That's that's poorly. Yours made more sense. Mine makes a lot more sense. (laughs) And I also like that I should have said teammates, but I said friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris Bosch is so friendly. I imagine all of his teammates are his friends. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Next one. Goaltending. Goaltending is when you are guarding the basket. You're like, get away, get away. I'm over here. I'm going to hit that away from this area. That is dangerous to my team and my friends. Dangerous. Our viewers, our viewers should know that you are demonstrating all. Of I am. This I'm doing this. I'm doing a lot. That's of, how you guard people. Yeah. You, you stand like under the basket, and yeah. you're like, "Get away from us!" I'm gonna poke that ball if you try to get it in the basket. <laughs> That's kind of close. So basically, it's intercepting a shot that is either in the basket or directly above it. So okay. when you do that, it actually counts as a basket because it's as if some like a shot was going in and it would be as if you stuck your hand in the basket and pushed it right and back out And pushed it right again. back out. Okay. Yeah, which is illegal. There must, that must be, yeah, that seems illegal. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> that seems wrong. Oh, there's a name for it, but it's illegal. <laughs> and it's called goaltending. Goaltending. Yeah. We, there's a, I don't know how true this is, but there's a Canadian like heritage moment that is like basketball was invented in Canada and it's just... Like a bunch of like New Brunswickers playing with peach baskets, like putting a ball inside. Oh a yeah, peach that was basket. the original basketball. Was yeah, but I'm like, that's not basketball. That's 
that's peach ball because the basket, somebody's got to cut a hole in the bottom. And I think an American cut the hole in the bottom and then it became <laughs> that was basketball. The that like, was the breakthrough. That was the big Yeah, I think that was the, that was the breakthrough. And that's why, I don't know. I don't know. I really absorbed that heritage moment. There were many. Mm-hmm. All right. Next. Alley Oop. Oh, that's when you Alley Oop. That's exciting. <laughs> that's where you, that's where you, I don't know why I have this in my head. This is so, this is so <laughs> dumb. I'll say it. I'm thinking about like, if you like jumped up in the air and you kind of spun around and kind of like hooked the ball <laughs> and it went in <laughs> and it surprised everyone. And everyone was like, wow. You're like, Allie. <laughs> yeah, you have to say it at the end. Yeah, is that <laughs> and it? And in an accent too, Allie. Allie. Uh, again, sort of in the right ballpark. It's a, it is a very exciting play. It's a, basically okay. it's a high arc pass An to arc. a teammate I said in that. a position near the arc. basket, and they leap up and they score. So it'd be like if you're you were flying towards the basket, and then someone throws you the ball midair and you dunk it. That's an alley oop. I pictured an arc because mm-hmm. I was like, and then you kind of like hook around. We pictured an arc based on what you were saying. Yeah, it's my my game of basketball defies gravity. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's really exciting. All right. What is a triple double? That's when you get a two point thing three times in a row. (laughs) Yeah, it works for me. (laughs) So a a triple double is when a player achieves double figures in three out of five offensive categories. So like more than 10 what, points. Everything you said makes rebounds. no sense. That makes no sense. <laughs> you have to say that again, but slowly. Okay. Sorry. So it's basically if you get double digits in three different categories. So if you got more than 10 rebounds, points, and assists in one game, that's a triple double or oh. 10 blocks and 10 rebounds and 10 points. It's like double it digits count? in three categories. Is it a points? Is it a collection of your points that you scored or that the collection of, of the time that you did it? Um, no, it's just over the course of a game. So over the course of a game, if you got double digits and mm. in, in points, rebounds, and another category. Oh boy, this is all right. One final, one final question. <laughs> okay, Sam, what is yep. a flagrant foul? Mm. Mm. A flagrant foul. It's an obnoxious. Like, okay, I think a flagrant foul would be if you just walked up to someone and you push them and you're like, fuck you. And you like push them in the chest and they fall over backwards. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. That is the best one answer yet. Yes. Yeah, so it's an excessive okay. or aggressive contact with an opponent. So it's worse than a normal We're replace foul. the Wikipedia definition with what you just said. <laughs> fuck you. That was perfect. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if anyone was watching, they could yeah. not mistake it. It right. is just a foul right. on all levels, and no one could go, that's not a foul. They're like, no, that is bad. You guys yeah. hate each other. That's You're obvious. You're not friends. You're not friends. <laughs> You're bad friend. You've, you You <laughs> let your friends down. You're that's a bad your friend. trash talk on the court. You're, You're very a bad, bad friend. friend. And no one likes you, and you have to apologize to all of us. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're wrapping it up. I hope you liked my podcast. You did. Let us know in the comments. If you didn't, well, I mean, that's fine. But please consider hate listening in the future. 
Seriously though, you gotta subscribe, you gotta rate, and you gotta review this thing. Full release, Apple Podcasts, and keep sending your questions. Full release at Tambi.com. They might even be featured in a future episode. Tune in to Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. on TBS. And if you need even more Samby, oh, God bless you. There's always additional full release on Stitcher Premium. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Spieder and Reinstein with research provided by Marine Malik and IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by the lovely Julia Fott and hosted by me. My name is Samantha B. <laughs> That's my turkey call. <laughs> it's really good. Thank you.